Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.09 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the ninth day of the sixth month of 2023, and this is episode 744. Of Bitcoin, and I'm not sure if I called yesterday's episode 744 or 743. If I called it 744, then I was wrong because it was 743, and this is 744 of Bitcoin. And um, I, I have made a change over the last uh, week, and I need to know if you guys are hearing a change in the audio for the worse, or if it stays, if it's just stayed neutral. My hope is that you can't tell any difference. What I did was <clears throat> I took, when, when I render the show down, okay, because it's like, you know, it's all recorded in WAV files. They're big. That's not what you, you, you got to crush them down into uh, MP3s and whatnot like that before I, you know, put them up on uh, SoundCloud. Or, and this is standard. This is just standard operating procedure, standard pipeline for, for this kind of thing. So it doesn't really matter who your host is. They ain't taking no, you know, three gig wave file sets. Okay. That's just not going to happen. So they have to be crushed down and they go through a compression algorithm. This, in my case, I use MP3. All right. So I was using a very high bit rate to crush those things down. And the, I think I'd come out with about like on an hour and a half, hour and 15 minute show. It'd be about a, I don't know, a hundred megs. That's a little pricey when it comes to data. So, and I don't, when I mean pricey, I don't like, you know, SoundCloud isn't charging me any more than what they already charge me. It doesn't really matter. Uh, not to them. However, it had come to my attention that it might be interfering with people's ability to download the show. And I'm just now finding this shit out after, you know, four and a half years of doing it. I, God, this was one of those things where it just, you just feel silly, but in either event. I've taken that down, that bit rate down quite a bit. I've already noticed a kind of, there's a, a little bit more of a tinniness that is occurring, but it's, I've got it down to where it's FM quality. That's sort of the, in, you know, in, if you're in the biz, apparently, if you're reading the trades, the bit rate that I've chosen to compress this thing at, while much, much lower than I was compressing at, is still supposed to be FM quality. So I'm asking you to give me feedback as to whether or not the tinniness is just uh, not, you know, not being, it, it not washing with you. Because if it's not, I'll increase the bit rate up a little bit. But see, I've got, I've got these files uh, uploading 33 megabytes instead of 100 you know, that's, that's a substantial change. And if I can, you know, get peop more people to download because the file size is easier for their apps to manage, 
then that's what I want to do. So please give me some feedback as to whether or not it's uh, you can stomach this, or if not, you know, let me know and I'll I'll see what I'll see what I can do. Now, uh, is there anything else that I want to do uh, before we get into the news? Now let's just go ahead and get into the news. Wallet of Satoshi has an announcement. Uh, Wallet of Satoshi version two point two point two is rolling out now. Can you see it yet? It's a huge update, including custom lightning addresses for everyone, contacts list, and an address book for lightning. Removed Hero Brine, and I don't know what the hell Hero Brine is, and auto pay for zapping. Nice. Okay, so here's my <laughs> here's my thing. Yeah, you can get a custom lightning address out of Wallet of Satoshi, all right, if you want to pay a million Satoshis. <laughs> no, seriously. They won't unlock that feature until a million Satoshis has passed through your Wallet of Satoshi, either you sending them or you receiving them. All right, so there's a there's a little meter that says, yeah, uh, feed, this custom address feature unlocks after a million sats, and it's got like a little status bar and the whole thing. And I'm like, whatever, dude. I don't. I am not like all that huh, interested uh, in a custom lightning address on Wallet of Satoshi right now. However, to be fair, at least it it will that would stop spamming. Like if somebody just continuously get in there, like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, spoof and spoof and spoof and change my address like, you know, 15 times a day. A million Satoshis will will put a kibosh on that shit real quick. But I kind of think they should let you change it once for free. And then after that, if you want to change it again, you got to go through the whole million sat thing. But that's, hey, that's that's just me. If I was on their board of directors, which I'm not, that's what I would have, that's what I would have suggested. Okay, so if you haven't updated your Wallet of Satoshi, go ahead and do that if you're a Wallet of Satoshi user, and I am, um, so that you can get that update. And I did have to actually physically update that on my on my iPhone, so... Uh, what else do we have? Strike is in the news. Uh, no bullshit Bitcoin. No BS Bitcoin.com. That's no BS Bitcoin.com. Otherwise known as no bullshit. Strike moves to its own infrastructure and rolls out new features and capabilities. Quote, we're excited to serve customers directly with our own licensing and infrastructure. So they they're doing their own licensing too. Quote, I'm proud to announce Strike now owns and operates all of its own infrastructure for customers. Strike now custodies customer Bitcoin and dollars, which means no custodial intermediaries between us and our users, wrote Jack Mallers, CEO of Strike. Quote, this is a major milestone in reducing counterparty risk, enhancing the quality of our services, and ensuring the robustness and performance of our products, end quote. So here's what's new. Strike now provides direct Bitcoin custody for all of its users. Quote, our keys are stored in different physical locations to ensure that we reduce the surface area of impact of local risks, such as natural disasters, fires, or localized political threats. Multisig allows us to prevent threats of malicious actors looking to physically compromise the system. Digital backups are encrypted and stored on servers in different locations than physical keys. For those interested in learning more about our security posture, feel free to check out our trust portal. U.S. dollars are now custodied by Strike, not by a third party. And that's really the most 
important part of this entire thing now now isn't it uh strike users can now use p2p sats to or can p2p sats to any other strike users including global users in all of our new global markets so pretty much just dissolved all national borders right there all strike users can now configure their accounts to receive incoming payments as cash or bitcoin strike users can now pay lightning invoices with their cash or bitcoin balances holy shit all strike users can now deposit bitcoin into their accounts both on chain and via lightning uh rolled out tiered on chain payments so users now have the option to select priority standard and flexible when making on-chain payments from their Bitcoin and cash balances, smash buy and higher limits. Strike users now have much higher limits and can buy larger amounts of Bitcoin with their linked bank account. We're currently testing users up to $25,000. We'll work our way to $100,000 per smash buy from a linked bank. As we continue to make this transaction or transition, you may see interruptions in card deposits while we complete the transition to our new partners, Maller said in a blog post. Could you imagine? I mean, I don't know. Smash buying $100,000 worth of Bitcoin. I would honestly just be happy if I had that much dry powder to sit on where I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm just going to pull the trigger on, you know, 100K. You know, and and there's like towns that I could buy a whole house on five acres with 100K. Probably wouldn't want to live in those towns because there's probably like four people living in the town. But, you know, it it is what it is. Let's move on because Binance is still, you know, well, Binance is Binance. Let's get into it. Binance VP of Marketing. Crypto needs to double down on community support. Oh, we're all one, right? No, we're not. We're not all one. Savannah Fortes, Cointelegraph. The crypto industry faced more scrutiny from regulators in the United States this past week as the SEC served both Coinbase and Binance.us with lawsuits regarding their operations. They forgot to mention Binance International and CZ himself because all three of those entities are being sued. Amid the accusations from regulatory officials, the members of the crypto community have spoken out. Spoken out. Oh my God, they're speaking out against the behavior of the SEC while still agreeing certain regulations are necessary. Rachel Conlon joined Binance as the new VP of Marketing this week and spoke with Cointelegraph about the importance of fostering community in what she calls a critical juncture for crypto. Let's be clear. Regulation is needed, she said, but as any industry that has tried to be disruptive and has challenged the status quo, we're facing some headwinds. End quote. She continued to stress that while simplicity and clarity of the message is important when regulators have a tight grip on the industry, so is an emphasis on community. Quote, my strategy really is how do we double down and support our existing community and, you know, really celebrate them? <laughs> Jesus Christ, end quote. Oh, according to the exchange's official website, Binance currently has 120 million registered users, which is over, you know, 25% of the estimated 420 million global crypto users as of 2023. Conlon believes that her role is to showcase and educate the, that audience going forward through times of industry uncertainty. She said she especially wants to lean in to... <laughs> 
there's a book by that name called, by the way. And I was, yeah, I, I won't get into it. <laughs> she said she especially wants to lean in to showcase how the community interacts with the product. Quote, we need to be able to use them to tell stories, show integrations that really open up this world to people so that maybe they can have a different perspective on crypto. Additionally, she pointed out that for platforms in the Web3 space like Binance that offer more services than just trading, balance is key. Quote, it's about balance, showing the broad spectrum of utility and making sure that you are identifying the right moments for that, end quote. Conlin said that not everyone in the crypto ecosystem wants to trade and new users are entering the space for new reasons, be it remittance payments or following a favorite artist or sports star. Quote, we're a financial business, but it's also about entertainment. <laughs> this woman, <laughs> while at the same time educating people, what better way to do that in moments where they're open to hearing? Oh, my God. God, I, you gave this chick a, a seat at the table? Holy smokes, man. Good luck to you, Binance. But no, we are not one. I'm not, I'm not going to defend Binance. I'm not going to defend the crypto community. I'm not going to defend the crypto ecosystem. It's all bullshit because 99.99% of this space is pure fraud. Let's be real. If you're out there holding a bag of shit, then you're probably pissed off at what I just said because I'm definitely attacking your potential of, you know, I don't know, having some kind of spendable money in the future after the rest of the world decides to burn itself to the ground, right? So I'm sorry for you, though. If you're holding anything other than Bitcoin, what you're holding is a security. It's either an unregistered security or it's a registered security because you own, I don't know, Exxon or some shit like that. Right? So you that or or cash. But outside of cash, everything is either an unregistered security or it's a reg, registered security. And if you're not holding Bitcoin, you're holding one of those three. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. No, I'm not coming to the aid of Binance and Coinbase. No, I'm not going to join in and sing Kumbaya by the fucking campfire because all these people decided that instead of buying the one thing that could have gotten us out of this mess, they decided to ape into any bullshit that they saw because some idiot on YouTube with an open mouth thumbnail was screaming at them to buy fucking Solana. I'm sorry for your loss. Now get over it. Stop crying and sell it. Buy Bitcoin. Jesus, how hard is this? Because it's Bitcoin and nothing else. Why former PayPal and meta executive David Marcus is building on the Lightning Network. See, David Marcus gets it. Bitcoin Magazine. Peter Chihuahua is writing this one. For nearly 25 years, virtually as long as online payments have been possible, David Marcus has been trying to figure out how to perfect them. In the mid-90s, he founded a telecom company that offered internet access along with telephone service. In 2000, he launched EchoVox, which he spun out into Zong, whatever the hell that is, in 2008. When this venture was acquired by PayPal in 2011, Marcus joined the digital payments giant, becoming its president the very next year. He'd read the Bitcoin white paper shortly after it was published, but didn't fall into the rabbit hole at first. He recalled in an interview with Bitcoin Magazine. Then in 2012... 
Argentina ordered PayPal to stop all transactions that would send money out of the country as it grappled with currency inflation and a fiscal austerity effort. And the real value of this peer-to-peer electronic cash system started to resonate with them. Quote, we had to comply. We were a regulated entity, Marcus explained. The day that happened, Bitcoin prices went up significantly. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) like this is something where consumers in a place like Argentina are actually rushing into Bitcoin as a way to move money that they've earned. It's their money in a way that they saw fit. So I, I, I felt that there was a very, this was a very eye-opening moment for me in terms of Bitcoin being an escape valve to certain behaviors that were not aligned with my views of self-sovereignty, of money. So that was kind of a turning point for me in 2013, where it really solidified my conviction. Shortly afterward, in May of 2013, he attended the Bitcoin 2013 conference when it was in San Jose. And despite its relatively small community, he was intrigued by the breakthrough Bitcoin had made and how digital payments could be facilitated. Quote, it was really a handful, like two handfuls of people, basically. It was so incredibly early. I was fascinated by this general idea that you move value in a completely self-sovereign way without any intermediaries whatsoever. And during that same time period, I remember sending and receiving Bitcoin and I was setting up wallets for friends to show them what was possible. Quote, look, this is me sending you money and there's no one in between, right? Right? And I was really fascinated by it. But Marcus was not yet ready to give up on the possibility of institutionalized yet open payments for the internet. In June of 2014, he joined Meta, then Facebook, and its vice president as its vice president of messaging products, developing the Facebook Messenger mobile app. Marcus released Messenger P2P payments in 2015, which allowed users to send each other money from their synced checking accounts via the app. By Mid-2019, Marcus had begun leading Facebook's cryptocurrency project Libra, which was later renamed Diem before being, you know, abandoned altogether. Libra was almost instantly dismissed by Bitcoiners as offering nothing particularly valuable compared to other centralized digital currency projects. And Marcus found himself defending the project before the House Financial Services Committee, as well as the United States Senate's Banking Committee, forced to answer questions that were often more broadly focused on Meta's history of invading user privacy. But before Libra settled on the permissioned oligarchical node model outlined in its white paper, oligarchical, Marcus had actually considered leveraging the Lightning Network for that project. Quote, I remember meeting with Elizabeth Stark in early 2018, trying to figure out whether Lightning was actually the way to go, because if there was a way to actually, you know, use Bitcoin, I really wanted to do that. At the time, we thought, okay, maybe we can use Lightning and then build a world-class wallet that we can embed across all of Meta products, WhatsApp and Messenger, you know, and others, and then enable people to move value around, end quote. Ultimately, he decided the protocol was not robust enough to fulfill Meta's vision due to some of the insufficiencies that it had yet to overcome, including limited nodes and liquidity. Quote, even today it would be challenging, and it will be challenging to actually get to billions of consumers on the Lightning Network. Even Layer 1 won't have enough HTLCs or hash time-locked contracts to actually do that. So we'll have to find solutions as we get there. But our view was that it won't scale. 
And as such, we came to the conclusion that we need to go build this proprietary technology that we will then do whatever we can to centralize to the best of our abilities. In the end, Marcus's ability to decentralize a, a payments project under Meta proved insufficient. And he has since become or since come to the realization that attempting to do so on any other network outside of Bitcoin is an exercise in futility. Quote, we've built the unshakable conviction at this point that the only blockchain and the only underlying asset that can support a truly open protocol for payments on the Internet is Bitcoin and nothing else, he said. In 2021, Marcus left Meta, and the next year he launched LightSpark to pursue that conviction. LightSpark built software and development tools meant to make accessing Lightning Network easier, such as its software development kit to help businesses offer Lightning wallets to their customers, and LightSpark Predict, which identifies the best-performing Lightning nodes and can route transactions to them. Rather than building a centralized platform to enable digital payments, LightSpark is focused on building tools to help customers access this existing decentralized one. And while Lightning Network adoption is still far from rivaling the user base of something like PayPal, Marcus is optimistic about its potential to scale if companies like his are successful. Quote, Lightning still has issues, but I feel very confident that we're in a position to address these issues. You'll see that for companies to integrate on Lightning using LightSpark services, you don't even need to worry about channels. You don't need to worry about liquidity. You don't need to worry about channel rebalancing and distributing liquidity. You don't need to worry about what routes you're going to use and which minimum fee or maximum fee you're going to set. All of that complexity is being completely taken away from the equation of a company deciding whether or not to implement Lightning for their consumers or not. End quote. When asked if abstracting users so far away from managing their own liquidity, channel balances and routing could be, in a sense, you know, recreate the issues with centralized trusted financial middlemen, Marcus responded with an analogy, quote, In the early days of the web, if you wanted a website and you wanted to be on the internet, you had to go build your own server, find a rack, put it in a rack, buy a router, configure the router, get an E1 or a T1 line, plug that router into your E1 or T1 line, and then maintain the whole thing all the time. And it was like, okay, no one does that. But the reason Lightning and Bitcoin are better is because there are companies like LightSpark that will make things easier for mass market adoption. And if you are in a random country anywhere, you can just have internet and you have internet connectivity, you can run a node on your phone yourself and be a participant in this network. And I think that that's what makes it amazing, end quote. He went further to underscore that his intention now is to enable a certain kind of lightning adoption rather than roll out a solution that minimizes the need for independent participants. Quote, where did, where did the quote go? I, I had a quote. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, here we go. Quote, we don't expect everyone to use our software. That would actually be a bad thing, right? We think that everyone should run their own thing and we're going to cater to a certain segment of the market that is going to tend to be larger enterprise types of customers. End quote. Of all the executives actively working on Bitcoin projects, Marcus probably has the most legacy experience to inform him on what Bitcoin needs to succeed as well as what it must avoid in order not to fail and declaring that building on Lightning is the culmination of his life's work, he's determined to succeed. All right, thank you, Peter Chihuahua, but I completely disagree with that last those last two sentences, or at least the next to last sentence. 
because he says, Marcus probably has the most legacy experience to inform him on what Bitcoin needs. Bitcoin doesn't need a single person to inform Bitcoin on what Bitcoin needs. Bitcoin already has all that it needs. Okay. Okay. So just, I'm just throwing that out there now for the rest of it to be positive rather than negative. I, I really want to trust David Marcus. I really do. I want to trust that he's not filling everybody full of shit. I want to trust that he actually means what he says, that he has conviction to continue down this road for a lot longer than I think he thinks he needs to continue down this road to find the success that he's looking for. Because in the legacy financial system, you had bailouts to your left and bailouts to your right. And, you know, any number of people that you could call and do a series, you know, I don't know, C round to bail your ass out so you can make payroll, you know, next year. That's not what's going on here. It's a much harder row to hoe. And I hope David understands that. I hope he's been in the game long enough to feel the pain. Because unless you feel the pain, it's like it's like a cancer patient trying to describe to somebody who's never dealt with cancer themselves, nor anybody in their family who's ever had cancer. And you can see the pain in their face, right? Because I've seen that pain. I've seen it. Now, both my parents died of, very, of a different kind of cancer than each other, but they both died of cancer or the complications due to it. I saw the pain. I don't have to feel it myself to understand what that fucking pain was. But when you're talking to a no-coiner or somebody whose life isn't wrapped up into this shit, then you, that person definitely does not understand the pain. Even if they're DCA, even if they have some Bitcoin, they're DCAing in 25 bucks a week or so. You know, they got a few hundred thousand Satoshis. They're, uh, you're not feeling pain. All right, so... That's the one thing that I can, that's the one thing that I hope for here is that David Marcus has the fortitude to be able to, to survive the rest of what's coming because we're not out of the storm yet. If he is successful and he's not feeling as full of shit, then he's going to do good things. If he's a lion scumbag legacy financier, then he's going to be ejected like all the rest of the trolls that have already been ejected from the system. And that's the, that's what an immune system does. Anyway, BitGo. Oh, here's the here's the Prime Trust news in case you want to know. BitGo announces a preliminary deal to acquire Prime Trust custody firm. Unless something's changed, there's every chance that this shit falls apart. And if it does, Prime Trust probably goes and files for Chapter 11. BTC Casey, Bitcoin Magazine. BitGo Holdings Incorporated has announced its intention to acquire Prime Core Technologies Incorporated, the parent company of Prime Trust. According to a blog post posted by BitGo, the acquisition aims to bring business continuity, long-term stability, and regulated secure services to Prime Trust clients. Put a tie on the suit speak. Prime Trust expressed excitement, almost read that excrement, about the potential partnership. Jor Law, Prime Trust interim CEO and president, uh uh-oh, they're already on an interim, said he believes that the combination of Prime Trust and BitGo will be a game changer for the industry, stating, quote, no other company will have the breadth of product and services nor depth of experience that this combined company would have. We're so excited to offer our world-class infrastructure within a broader ecosystem and revolutionize in 
what the future of crypto. Dude, can you just talk like a normal fucking human being for 10 seconds? Why does everything have to sound like it fell out of Madison Avenue, New York? Jesus, you know, AI market copy can't come soon enough because at least, at least for right now, it's not trained enough on the goddamn suit speak. I swear it's just annoying as AF. The blog posting listed the benefits of the acquisition and, and that it could hold for both companies anyway. First, it noted that Prime Trust Nevada Trust Company will join BitGo's global network of regulated trust companies, which already include entities in South Dakota, New York, Germany, and Switzerland. In addition, the expansion would enhance BitGo's presence and regulatory reach. That's not good. Furthermore, the blog described how Prime Trust's FinTech API infrastructure and exchange network will reinforce BitGo's existing services, including custody, liquidity, settlement, and compliance capabilities. Mike Belshi, by the way, pausing to remind everybody that Mike Belshi signed his name to the New York agreement that was trying to increase Bitcoin's block size by telling all the node operators that we're going to kick you off the network because we're changing Bitcoin, we're changing the code, and there's not a fucking thing you can do about it. And we told Mike Belshi to pound sand. He has yet to apologize. Mike Belshi, CEO and co-founder of BitGo, views the acquisition as a milestone transaction that will contribute to a more secure and sustainable future for the digital asset landscape, more suit speak. The deal is still subject to regulatory approval. There's the meat. And further details regarding the transaction have yet to be disclosed. Just recently, Bitcoin-only exchanges Strike and Swan both announced that they would be moving away from custody through Prime Trust. Strike announced that it will be utilizing its own custody services, while Swan is moving to Fortress Trust and BitGo, Fortress Trust being founded by the former founder of Prime Trust, Scott Purcell. The acquisition announcement did not address or confirm rumors that Prime Trust is facing insolvency, which has been the center of speculation on Bitcoin Twitter. See, the one thing that I don't like that's, you know, I'll bet you that Corey Clipston is like, he heard that BitGo was going to uh, uh, get a hold of Prime Trust. If he didn't know it already and he heard it in the news like anybody else or even heard it from a friend and didn't even think that BitGo was going to, you know, get Prime Trust, that he's like going, I'll bet he's sitting there going, is there no way that we can get away from Prime Trust? Is is why it like follows Swan Bitcoin around like a like a a thundercloud over Charlie Brown's head, right? So I don't know. I'd like I wish I was able to talk with Corey Clipston on Twitter, but since I'm no longer I'm persona non grata on Twitter, there's no way I can get a hold of Corey. But somebody, if anybody knows Corey out there, ask him if he's like just got his face in his hands going, Jesus, what is it going to take to get rid of these assholes? <laughs> now, Kathy Wood is on a buying spree. Hold on. It's coffee time. Mm. That's good poison bean juice. Kathy Wood's arc loads up on crypto bags and buys $19.9 million of block shares. And all I have to say is, for the love of God, why? Braden Lindera, please, please tell me why. From Cointelegraph, 
ARK Invest CEO Kathy Wood doesn't appear to have been swayed by recent crypto regulatory action buying yet another $19.9 million worth of shares of Block Inc. right after buying $21 million of Coinbase stock. Wood's latest buying spree comes despite the United States Securities and Exchange Commission this week suing two of the industry's exchange heavyweights, Binance and Coinbase, for offering what the regulators consider to be, you know, unregistered securities, among other things. Coinbase's share price has been depressed for the day, in the days following the lawsuit. However, Block Inc. shares saw a sharp rise in the same period. ARK Invest 305,000 new shares of Block came across six buys between June the 7th and 8th, which now represent ARK's fourth largest holding at 4.81%, according to ARK Invest Daily Trades. Of the new shares, 240,000 were added to its ARK Innovation ETF, some to its ARK Next Generation, and the remaining to ARK Fintech Innovation. As for Coinbase, ARK Invest bought 419,000 shares, worth about $21.6 million, across three buys on June the 6th, which came in the midst of coin plummeting nearly 20% overnight on June the 5th. While many consider the lawsuits to have harmed the crypto firms, Wood recently told Bloomberg that a t- that tougher charges laid against Binance may eventually work in Coinbase's favor. Ah, <laughs> hedging herself. Quote, We have Binance under increasing regulatory scrutiny for more criminal activities, fraud being one of them. Therefore, we have the competition for Coinbase disappearing. So that's a good thing or a good thing longer term for Coinbase. End quote. <coughs> Coinbase is now ARK Invest's seventh largest holding at 4.39% of its total of 11, what, 11,440 coin shares spread across its ARK F, ARK K, ARK W ETFs, according to Kathy's ARK, a website devoted to tracking her portfolio. Since Q1, ARK Invest has increased the number of coin shares by 8.2%, which comes on the back of 20.2 and 25.2% increases in the fourth quarter of 2022 and quarter one of this year, according to the website. While Woods, or Wood, is becoming increasingly bullish on Coinbase, she believes the SEC's regulation by enforcement approach has taken a toll on cryptocurrency innovation in the United States. The tech-savvy CEO is ultra-bullish on Bitcoin over the long term as well. In the Bloomberg interview, Wood explained that Bitcoin was built to thrive during times of market turbulence and regulatory uncertainty. Quote, why would Bitcoin do well in that circumstances? It will do well because it's an antidote to counterparty risk in the traditional financial system. In April of 2022, Wood predicted that Bitcoin would reach $1 million per coin by 2030. Okay, well, so Kathy Wood definitely stacking up on, I don't know why she's buying Block, though. I really don't. Uh, coin, Coinbase, I can see that. She's got a good thesis there because the SEC seems to be a hell of a lot more mad at Binance because of their you know years and years of chicanery. Even like not to say that Coinbase isn't doesn't have its own chicanery, but when you compare the two, Binance is definitely shady as fuck. I'm sorry, dude, but it is. It's I mean, they were like saying that they were going to go and and add headquarters in this you know this country and that country, and then they never did, and you know, and then the regulators were like, we can't find a headquarters, and we think that they're lying to us, and yeah, Coinbase. 
from from you know that standpoint kind of never they never really did that so the thesis i think that kathy has is sound that binance is going to get you know raked over the coals and it's going to hurt them a hell of a lot more than coinbase is going to be hurt therefore revenue is going to shift from binance to coinbase i don't think that that's good for bitcoin because brian armstrong also signed the New York agreement and has yet to apologize for trying to control the uncontrollable because he thinks himself as a Titan and that kind of narcissism honestly needs to have acid poured all over it and then diesel and then lit on fire and then thrown out of a window out of a ship at sea into the cold, frigid North Atlantic. Seriously. Now, before we do numbers, Custodia, Custodia lands a court win after the judge denies a Fed request to dismiss master account lawsuit, Mattis Mickler from Decrypt. <clears throat> Crypto bank Custodia chalked a recent ruling in its battle against the Fed as a key win. In light of the Wyoming federal judge's decision released on Thursday, which denied the Federal Reserve's bid to dismiss its lawsuit against it, Custodia Bank has been instilled with renewed hope in its ongoing legal battle against the institution. Custodia, founded by Morgan Stanley veteran Caitlin Long in 2020, was designed to provide a bridge between digital assets and the United States dollar system. In its June 2022 lawsuit, it accuses the Federal Reserve of unlawfully delaying its application for a so-called master account, a crucial component for it to operate effectively within the United States financial system. This January, the crypto bank amended its complaint and is now demanding whether the Fed has the authority to block Custodia from landing a master account at all. Quote, after decades of automatically granting master accounts to chartered banks, the Fed reinterpreted federal law to hand itself a special authority that it never received from Congress. We look forward to the court's review of the power grab by the Fed, a spokesperson for Custodia told Decrypt. Custodia is currently authorized by Wyoming law to operate as a, as a speedy, a special purpose depository institution offering both crypto and traditional banking services. However... It still needs a so-called master account with the Federal Reserve to fully exercise its banking powers. That master account would provide Custodia access to FedWire Network, which handled approximately 200 million transfers amounting to over one quadrillion. That's quadrillion with a Q, one quadrillion dollars in a single year of 2022. Custodia applied for a master account to the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City back in October of 2020. The bank claims it has yet to receive a response regarding its application, pointing to the fact that the lack of communication from the Federal Reserve has slowed its development due to the uncertainty. Custodia Bank has expressed strong concern over what it perceives as an overreach of the Federal Reserve's authority. Quote, the Fed has never held such authority in the United States history, nor does it need the discretion to block banks that already have been validly chartered by state banking authorities that rigorously separate the wheat from the chaff. Indeed, the Wyoming Division of Banking rejected more than 150 prospective applicants before Custodia received its bank charter, the bank spokesperson shared with Decrypt. The delay in processing its master account application has impacted Custodia's entry into the financial services market. 
forcing the bank to partner with a correspondent bank that already possessed a master account. The Wyoming federal judge's decision may make it more likely that the question of whether the Federal Reserve properly handled Custodia's application will be answered in court. All right, so there's a, actually there's a lot to unpack there. There really is. So Caitlin Long wanted to open up a bank. She did it in Wyoming, past state muster. She calls it Custodia. It is a bank that is supposed to be over 100% custodial asset reserve. What that means, because I said that wrong, I'm pretty sure I said that wrong. It means that if you have a deposit at that bank, it's not 100% backed by some form of high quality liquid asset by 100%. It's backed by 108%. There's 8% over what the bank needs to be able to clear all of its liabilities off its books in a single day's bank run. And 100% of the customers can walk into the bank, get 100% of their money out, walk away, never look at Custodia again, and Custodia would have 8% left to do operations and try to get their customers back. It's the only way to do business in, in this particular, you know, the, the legacy financial system that has brought us to this, this river of fucking death. This is the only way to operate is not only have guaranteed 100% assets, no, we have even more. We have 108% assets. They applied for a master account so that they could have access to all the same thing that all the rest of the banks in the world have, like Wells Fargo, where you can send through Fedwire a bank wire. Well, I want to transfer from you know my money from one bank to a completely different bank that I have an account at. I'm using Fedwire. Both those banks have to have master accounts with the Federal Reserve for that shit to work. Kathy's been trying to get the master account for like forever. She's got a bank that can't really do business with as a bank without partnering with another bank. It's hurting her. It's hurting her bank. Why will the, why is the Fed doing this? Because if such one of the reasons is, it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons is if such a bank existed, that's exactly where I'd move my money to. If they could prove the reserves and they proved that they had it and there was no question about it whatsoever, I would definitely bank with Custodia in Wyoming, even though that I don't live in Wyoming, if, if I could. Yet to be seen. But what's great about this is that with all these bank failures, and by the way, there's more to come with all these bank failures. And all the uncertainty in legacy financial markets, not just here, but Canada and the rest of the West, right? And, and it goes even farther than that. Now a federal judge is forcing the Federal Reserve to stand up in court and defend its decision on a power that it has yet to be granted by Congress or by the Constitution of the United States. Because we guess what? Federal Reserve not mentioned at all in the Constitution of the United States. That shit was fabricated in 1913. It's got almost no legs to stand on. So how is this going to work out? It'll probably work out in the Fed's favor, but not before they have to explain themselves and we get our chance to continuously rake them over the coals. Let's run the numbers. Earl, 
Some of that good Earl is actually up, but only slightly. West Texas Intermediate flashing green at 0.03%, $71.31 a barrel. Brent North Sea likewise scant, moving sideways essentially, 0.09% to the upside at $76.02 per barrel. Natural gas is down 2.5% to $2.95 per thousand, and gasoline is up six, uh, no, sorry, 0.64%, $2.63 a gallon. Most of the shiny metal rocks are getting uh, their asses handed to them, gold included, but, you know, not that bad. 0.15% to the downside, nineteen seventy-five and seventy cents. Silver is the only thing in the green, 0.15% to the upside, platinum scant, basically moving sideways. Copper is down a quarter, but palladium taking a big hit, 4.66% to the downside. Lumber is down 1.36%. Uh, that indeed, nope, that's not the biggest loser. Coffee's biggest loser. 1.81% to the downside. Biggest winner and one of the only ones today is going to be soybeans. 1.56% to the upside. And live cattle is up 0.13. Lean hogs are up one and a quarter. Feeder cattle is down two thirds of a point. Dow is down 0.06%. Everything's moving sideways, really. Uh, S&P is moving upside 0.04, and NASDAQ is up 0.17%. However, the S&P mini is making a move 0.73, but to the downside. Real money. (laughs) That's the sound of the dregs of a bear market, by the way. $26,561.99. Shit's on sale, brothers. 381,000 BTC sent in the last 24-hour period. Average transaction value, almost a Bitcoin. Median transaction value, 0.004 BTC, or about 108 bucks. Block times are low, 8 minutes and 22 seconds. I got uh, 0.4 BTC taken in fees on a per-block basis, and 69 BTC taken overall in fees in the last 24-hour period. And oh my God! 20% increase in hash rate takes us to 418 and a half exahashes per second. And your shitcoin indicator, as usual, is Doge 6.9%, no, 6.9 United States pennies. And that will tell you what the rest of the shitcoin is doing out there. We got a $513.2 billion market cap. That's uh, 3.97% of gold's market cap. You can now capture 13.7 ounces of shiny metal rock with your one Bitcoin, of which there are. 19,397,249 19,397,249 and a half of and 5,371 and a quarter of them are locked in our dear friend, the Lightning Network, valued at $142.2 million. So we've got 70,910 payment channels that we know about anyway, and 63.9% of all that shit's being run over Tor. Looks to be a positive 1.4% increase as the estimated difficulty change coming on June the 14th, we shall see. We have an even lighter load in various mempools. This one, I'm looking at mempool.space. Uh, looks to be about 165-ish blocks carrying 267,000 unconfirmed transactions. Transactions are going to cost you 24 Satoshis per V-byte on a low-priority High priority is 36 Satoshis per V-byte. Going to cost you about a buck fifty to get a standard SegWit transaction through. Anything under 3.32 Satoshis per V-byte is being purged. Let's check and see what mempool.space... Oh, shit. 
Mempool.space is saying the hash rate is at 451.3 exahashes per second. That's 451.3 exahashes per second as per mempool.space. I have been taken back. I have been I have been accepted back into the top 10 of fountain charts. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We got lots of thank yous. I'm actually sitting at number seven right now. I got as low as number 12 last night. I, I was really sucking some swamp water down there. But you guys, you guys held hands, sung Kumbaya by the fire and brought me back up in the top 10. And it's, Pitar is one of the people that did it. He apparently heard my message on yesterday's show. Pitar, thank you for helping me test this. How is Pitar helping me test this? I'll tell you how he's doing it because with a hundred thousand Satoshis, he says, here's go, here goes nothing. And I wrote him back. We'll get to that here in a second. Pitar with a 50,000 Satoshi boost says running with scissors. Pitar with a 20,000 Satoshi boost says 20 K boost seem to go through with another 20,000 sat boost. He says, let's try this, I guess. And then Pitar with yet a third 20,000 sap boost says, I stand corrected. Only the first one went through. The second one had an error. So it looks like 20,000 Satoshis is the maximum incoming boost that I can get. I have no idea if this is caused by fountain. I have no idea if this is caused by a lightning node that fountain is using. But I also have no idea if it's being caused by my own node. Because when you're sending me the boost, they're coming from my node, or they're coming to, rather, they're coming to my node. I checked my incoming liquidity. I've got enough liquidity to handle quite a large boost, yet everything above, like the 50,000 sat boost, I didn't get it. I didn't get PTAR's 100,000 sat boost. I didn't get one of the 20,000 Satoshi boosts that Pitar sent me. So right now, I don't, I don't want anybody sending me anything over 20,000 Satoshis. All right. Because it looks like it's just not going to get to me. If you want to give me more than that, it's not like my wallet doesn't have room for it, but apparently something along the way is getting screwed up. If you want to send me multiple boosts with multiple messages, I promise I'll read them all. Thank you, Pitar, for helping me with that. Henry GQJ with 2,000 Satoshi says, Nunya's got the skills to pay the bills, but large boosts to him on here are definitely broken. I have told Fountain, so hopefully they will fix it quickly because they are missing out on their cut. But for now, I will zap you the rest via Noster. Oh, dude, Henry, thank you, bro. I haven't checked Nostra just yet. That was seven hours ago. Nick underscore dose with 1369 says, cheers. Dubravko with a thousand Satoshi says, if anyone in the DFW area, that's Dallas, Fort Worth, wants black soldier fly larva for their birds, live or frozen, find me on Nostra. If you have birds, they will be very happy with you eating these bugs raised on my own food waste. See you at the Circle P. Oh, Dubrovko. Thanks for coming in the store, my friend. Thanks for coming in the store. Uh, I have some shelf space for you over there on the left, right next to Chili Mac, and in between that and the uh, Slim Jims. If you see that space over there, you can nestle your product and service 
Uh, we thank you for your service and your product, uh, Black Soldier Fly Larva. I'm going to do a show about that because Dubrovko reminded me just how important these critters are. I'm not going to say a damn thing about them now because I'm going to construct an entire show around Black Soldier Fly and maybe a couple of other things interjected. Why? <clears throat> because this is Bitcoin and other things. I talk about, I'm supposed to talk about other things every once in a while. <clears throat> and Dubrovko gave me a, a total inspiration to go ahead and do that because I've worked with Black Soldier Flies a lot and I really love what they do. They, they're like comfrey only in the bug world. Uh, I'll save it for, for the show. Uh, Dubrovko with yet another thousand Satoshi says, also update your strike and read the release. I did. Thank you. You're the one that reminded me to do that. You're the one why I put that at the head of the show. Pies with 500 sats says another banger, sir, you are a gentleman and a scholar. Well, I did go to college more than once. <laughs> wasn't worth it. MCOT with four with four eleven says, cheers. Thanks for reading boost and engaging with them on your show builds camaraderie with your audience. Yeah, I know it really does. Even that's why I like, I, I would like to be in a position where I could only have time to read like the top five boosts and they were all like 500,000, but I can't get them anyway because whatever is broken is broken. And I think it's, I don't know. I've gotten some really good ideas out of the boosts that, that aren't the highest three, four boosts. I love you guys. God's death, 370. Thank you, sir. Yep. Well, that's going to do it for the morning roundup, except to say, except to say, I'm going to try to figure out how to get a hold of Dubrovko on uh, Noster. Uh, and if I, again, I'm rubbing very little brain cells together to start the, you know, ignite the fire in my mind. I'm I'm older. It, it happens. If I can remember, I will put his in pub into the show notes and you go buy black soldier fly larva. Just trust me. And you'll figure out why when I, when I do the show, I'm thinking about trying to get that thing put together for Monday or Tuesday show. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, that's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. Back home in Texas, a lone star state will be Silicon Valley of crypto thanks to key legislative wins, according to Texas Blockchain Council President Paul Krantz kicks this part of the show off from Decrypt. Let's find out what the hell's going on down in Texas. Texas's 88th legislative session has been especially productive uh, for local Bitcoin miners. Advocates celebrated the blocking of one state bill and the passage of several others that will likely ensure the state remains attractive to miners. Quote, the microchip was invented in 1958, but that technology was monetized in California, Lee Bratcher, president of the Texas Blockchain Council, told Decrypt via email. Texas is not going to let that happen again. Texas will be the Silicon Valley of the digital asset industry. End quote. For one, Senate Bill 1751, labeled the anti-mining bill in the industry, never made it to the governor's desk. The bill sought to curb lucrative energy credits that local miners have been enjoying, including Riot, which raked in $9.5 million in credits last July. Elsewhere, Senate Bill 1929, which passed, was seen as a win for the industry. 
The bill required massive Bitcoin miners to register with the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, a.k.a. ERCOT. Proponents of the bill see it as a necessary step toward enhancing transparency. Quote, we did vocally support 1929, which requires large, flexible loads over 75 megawatts to register certain details about their load with the grid operator. ERCOT, <clears throat> Bratcher said, this bill will help or prove helpful in strengthening the communication between ERCOT and Bitcoin miners. Additionally, two House bills, uh, 591 and 1666, are also being touted as positives for crypto mining. They've passed the House and Senate votes and are expected to be signed by Governor Abbott. HB 591 establishes a tax incentive for using flared gas for on-site Bitcoin mining. Gas flaring is the practice of burning off or releasing gas from oil production wells. The practice is a significant contributor to methane pollution globally and has severe environmental impacts. And methane does. However, 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 I want you guys to stop dicking around with the people that are talking about methane produced from uh, cows because it's not cow farts. It's cow burps. Okay. It's methane that's produced in the rumen. You know what else produces methane? Compost piles, because it's the same shit. It's breaking down fibrous cellulitic materials through the actions of bacteria. And that, by definition, that metabolism produces methane. Now, here's why I want you to stop thinking about it. Methane is heavy. And when cows burp, you know where they burp? They're burping like six foot off the ground, or if they're burping while they're eating grass, they're burping right on the ground, and methane is heavy. It has this sneaky ability to not go up into the upper atmosphere because of its weight. Its weight, its physical mass, okay? Just because it's a gas doesn't mean that it's not heavy. It's heavier than air. What does things that are heavier than air do? They are closer to the earth than they are to space. And you know what exists in in soil? It just so happens. And I wonder if, you know, I don't know, God's plan or evolution has something to do with this, but there's this this, whole set of bacterial critters in the soil that are called methanophores. You know what that means? Means they eat methane. They actually eat it. What what an awesome idea that you had there, God. You have these ruminals. They eat grass. They 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 make even more soil critters by giving them a biofactory to reproduce in, and then you shit them out the other side. But all the time, it's producing this methane, and you're burping on the ground while you're eating. So God puts these methanophores right there in the soil to do what? Capture the methane and use it as a carbon skeleton for their own metabolism. It's almost like permaculture, where the waste of one thing is actually the input of another system. I need people to start thinking outside of what CNN, MSNBC, and all the rest of the talking idiots tell you. Because everything they're telling you, they're lying to you. Either they're doing it on purpose, or they're doing it because they're ignorant, or they're doing it because they're just being handed a script by people that don't like you, and they read it because they just want the paycheck. Everything you're being told is a lie. I'm sorry, I'm way off track. A House Bill 1666, let's get back on it, introduces 
a proof-of-reserves regime requiring crypto exchanges to maintain assets sufficient to fulfill all obligations to customers, as well as submitting statements to the Texas Department of Banking regarding liabilities. In the wake of FTX, this move may help to bring some skeptical investors back to crypto. Yeah, you just need to come back to Bitcoin. Critics of the local industry are less enthusiastic about the recent legislative moves. Quote, from our perspective, what you're doing here is getting a new value stream to the industry that is otherwise starting to be priced out of the market, Texas Director of Public Citizen Adrian Shelley told Decrypt. Public Citizen Texas is a nonprofit advocacy group that has actively lobbied against burning coal in Texas, as well as the state's interest in expanding its network of nuclear power plants. Quote, this is an industry that's not bringing really clear or tangible value into a state, Shelley said, whereas it's got all these exotic mechanisms for extracting value out of it. Yeah, there's always some guy wearing diapers that apparently has to can't stop pissing himself. Yeah, all these bills are good for Texas. Um, Will Texas actually take the bait or not bait? Will they take the opportunity at this point? and become a Silicon Valley for, I hate to say it, digital assets, but at least for Bitcoin. I don't know. I kind of hope it doesn't. Not because I want somebody else to do it. I want, if, 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 if it had to be centralized, I'd rather it be centralized in Texas than any place else. But the point is, I don't want anybody being a center for anything forever now. Because every time you centralize something, shit gets bad. Like, Maybe we'll find out why shit got bad for Robinhood because Robinhood in support for some tokens named in the SEC lawsuits and securities. They're like, oh shit, there's unregistered securities on our app. Coindesk and Ayon Ashraf and Helene Braun has this one. Um, Let's pick it up right here. Robinhood. (laughs) I love how their ticker is hood. The popular trading platform will end support for Cardano. (laughs) Fuck you, Charles Hoskinson. Polygon and Solana on June the 27th. Tokens that were named as securities in a recent uh, Coinbase uh, and uh, Binance Securities and Exchange Commission lawsuit. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Quote, based on our latest review, we've decided to end support for Cardano, Polygon, and Solana on June the 27th uh, 2023 at 6.59 p.m. Eastern Time, Robin had said in a blog post, users are able to continue trading and transfer their shitcoins on the app until that deadline. After support stops on June 27, shitcoins left in the user accounts will be automatically sold for the market value that the shitcoins will take, Robin had said. Okay, they didn't say shitcoins. I'm saying it. The decision comes as part of the company's regular review of cryptocurrencies. Bullshit. Robinhood currently offers the trading of 15 different shitcoins, except for Bitcoin. Others include Ether, Dogecoin, and Avalanche. Robinhood said during a recent industry industry testimony in the United States House of Representatives that it tried to register as a special purpose broker for digital assets, but couldn't get the SEC to guide the trading platform into crypto compliance. Though the agency staff seemed to want to help, quote, when Chair Gensler at the SEC in 2021 said, come in and register, we did, said Robinhood's market's chief compliance lawyer, Dan Gallagher, in his testimony, quote, we went through a 16-month process with the SEC staff trying to register a special purpose broker dealer. And then we were pretty summarily told in March that the process was over and we would not, you know, see any fruits of that effort. 
God, 16 months down the tubes. Both Solana and Cardano have rejected the claims of the tokens being securities, while Polygon declined to comment earlier to Coindesk about the matter. The three tokens, or shitcoins, were mostly unchanged on Friday after taking a hit earlier this week following SEC lawsuits. Yeah, your shitcoins and your unregistered securities, and you need to go away before you get the rest of humanity in any more trouble because you suck. That's just the way that it is. Uh, what do we, do we want to do this one? No, we are running long. So let's, I don't know. Hold on. Yeah, let's get into, let's get into these other ones. I'll do this one on Monday, maybe. Um, U.S. House Committee releases new stablecoin bill draft. Yeah, this is more news than the opinion piece that I had lined up. <clears throat> Coin Telegraph, Prashant Jha. The United States House Financial Services Committee has released the third draft of the stablecoin bill presented by its chair, Rep. Patrick McHenry. The latest draft of the bill is bipartisan, oh boy, and includes specific proposals from Republican and Democrat committee members. The draft bill titled The Future of Digital Assets, colon, providing clarity for the digital asset ecosystem, was first proposed on June the 8th and is expected to be discussed during the upcoming committee hearing on June the 13th. Juneteenth. The bill's latest version proposes the United States Federal Reserve as the key regulator tasked with formulating requirements for issuing stable coins. However, at the same time, the bill aims to offer state regulators powers to oversee the companies issuing the tokens. The bill further discusses legislation regarding who can issue stable coins and the requirements of a payment stablecoin. If approved, the bill will be the first comprehensive guidance on the supervision and enforcement of stablecoin markets in the United States. The bill also proposes a two-year moratorium for collateralized stablecoins from the date of enactment. If approved by the committee and passed by the House of Reps, and the Senate, the bill would become the first example of crypto legislation in the United States. I'm not sure if that's actually true, but whatever. The latest version also grants some additional authority to the federal regulator compared to the previous version. These powers include the power to intervene against state-regulated issuers in case of emergency. Break glass. States would also be entitled to pass their supervision duties to the federal watchdog if necessary. The previous version of the draft bill issued back on April the 24th focused on stablecoin payments rather than overseeing other aspects of digital asset markets such as custodial service providers and algorithmic stablecoins. The bill's latest version is more concise and grants specific powers to state legislatures as well. All right, this whole thing reminds me of a scene in what am I trying to say? Uh, Goodwill hunting. If you've ever seen that movie, you're, you, you know what I'm about to, to describe. He's standing in the room with his, uh, the guy that basically is keeping him out of jail, PhD, theoretical mathematician guy, right? Played by something Skarsgård. I can't remember his first name. It's not Alan. Scarsgard. Anyway, you you know his son played the the evil clown in it. Anyways, so this guy's supposed to be brilliant. You know, won a Fields Medal. He's got all the accolades. He's sitting behind the oak desk in at MIT. He's got the shit. Standing in his office is Matt Damon. You know, Will, whatever his actual character's name is, holding this two-page mathematical proof of something nobody could prove. 
And he's having an argument with this math, this mathematician. And this mathematician is basically just reading him the riot act. And he finally, Matt just finally, or Matt Damon, his character finally gets so pissed off. He turns around and says, yeah, you know what? Fine. Fuck it. He pulls a lighter out of his pocket and sets the mathematical proof on fire. And while he's setting it on fire, he's, he turns back around to the mathematician guy and says, I'm so tired of watching you fuck this up. I'm done. And he throws the burning proof on the ground and the professor loses his freaking mind, jumps up out from behind his desk and gets on his hands and knees, which is a supplicant move to pat the fire out. He needs this proof. Nobody could prove it. He needs this proof. The one guy in the fucking world that could actually make this proof, pull off this mathematical proof is standing while the guy with the fields metal, the guy, and by the way, if you haven't seen Goodwill Hunting, he's a construction worker. He doesn't have a mathematical degree. He learned everything. That, I mean, it's a, he's a fictional guy, but he learned everything from a library and apparently $5 worth of late fees. And he's brilliant. And this guy can't do this proof. That's what this reminds me of. Because... While these guys are fumbling the football, trying to come up because the first draft didn't work, because it didn't take into consideration algorithmic stable coins or custodial services, and then now, so they're redrafting it. Okay, well, what happens during the time that it's redrafted to the time that it comes to committee? What else is going to come out? They are trying to regulate the Mississippi River. They're literally trying to regulate the flow of water without a dam. And even if they did have a dam, it would flow right over the top of it because the ideas just keep coming. The people entering the space, whether they're entering the shitcoin space or actual real monetary value Bitcoin space, it doesn't matter. The water is backing up. The water is backing up. It will go where water is going to go. Water will always end up where the hell ever water is fate. Let's just put it that way. Water was always going to end up where that water was going to end up, regardless of what you put in front of it. Given enough time, given enough of it, it will circumvent and go right around whatever the hell it is you put in its way. And it's going to end up exactly where it was fated to end up anyway. Water is fate. These guys are fumbling in ways that remind me of that scene in spades. Let's see if Satoshi Labs can finish us out with some good news. Satoshi Labs introduces Vexel Foundation with KYC free P2P Bitcoin app and financial tyranny index. And I swear to God, when I first read this, I read that as financial tranny index. <laughs> Are you a financial tranny? Let's find out. Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey, Satoshi Labs, the creator of Trezor Hardware Wallet, has announced the launch of the Vexel Foundation at the BTC Prague Conference. Yay! A press release shared with Bitcoin Magazine said, the foundation aims to restore financial power to individuals and promote personal and financial freedoms. It takes a critical stance against KYC practices and, according to the release, believes that technology should empower individuals rather than control them. The Vexel Foundation has also introduced the Financial Tyranny Index, <coughs> excuse me, or FTI, 
which measures the extent of statist interventions in the financial space. Initial findings, according to Vexel, reveal high levels of financial state control in Western democracies such as France, Belgium, Canada, and the Netherlands. The Vexel Foundation's mission is supported by its mobile app, Vexel, which provides a private and secure platform for peer-to-peer Bitcoin transactions without KYC or institutional interference. Lea Pretesova, CEO of Vexel.it, that's the website, V-E-X-L.it, describes it as more than just an application stating, quote, it's the embodiment of our vision for financial autonomy. The board of the Vexel Foundation consists of individuals with diverse experiences, including Leah, Josef Tetik, and Grafton Clark, as well as Satoshi Labs co-founders Merrick Palatinus and Pavel Rusnak. Yeah, I butchered everybody there. I'm like, y'all should not leave me unsupervised with names. The release stated that they are dedicated to challenging the centralization of control and directing power back to individuals. The foundation said it welcomes collaboration with organizations and individuals who share the vision of a free and open financial world with donations and guidance from Satoshi Labs. The Vexel Foundation is aimed at inspiring a shift in the perception of interaction with digital finance. Merrick Slush Palatinus emphasized the need to revisit the principles on which Bitcoin was founded, stating, quote, the Vexel Foundation is our step towards that change, end quote. To learn more about Vexel and its initiatives, interested parties are encouraged to visit their website at vexel.foundation, so V-E-X-L dot foundation, as a word, foundation, vexel.foundation. So go find out about it. God knows I will because we need all the KYC free Bitcoin P2P stuff that we can get. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. It's the end of the week. It's Friday. I wish you a glorious, happy, and prosperous weekend with your family and hopefully your barbecue grill. Probably going to be some really fine barbecue and weather out there. And with all the carnivores that I know, I can smell I can smell the oak and hickory all the way from eastern Washington in the United States. Uh, smoke a brisket for me. Actually, if you want to do something for me, use Podcasting 2.0. Boost me, but no more than 20,000 Satoshis at a time. Please, please. Because for whatever reason, that shit's broken for me. I don't know why. And stream me Satoshi. Stream me one, five, ten. There's a guy that streams me 156 every minute. It's amazing. Some people do nine. Some people do 11. Some people do 22. If any of those numbers are recognizable by those of you listening, thank you for every single minute. I hope that the time that I'm spending with you is helping you navigate what the hell's going on on a daily basis. So use podcasting 2.0, spread the word, those five star reviews on Apple, dude, that's, that's the chef's kiss of all this shit, right? Because that's the one that puts, eh, it's sort of like search engine optimization. If you do it right, you get noticed. If you do it wrong, you're in the backwater, And as much as I hate to have to use Apple Podcasts for anything, it works. 
and I'm not going to turn my nose up, up at what works. And the last two five-star reviews that I've gotten has, I mean, my listenership has boosted. All right, so something's going on. All right, so something's actually working. Whatever it is that I'm doing is working, but I don't think it's me that's doing it. I actually think it's you. The one thing that that I did was to actually ask for your help because I try to stay humble. I try to stack sats. And here's a joke for all your for all that you do for me. Here's the joke from Dad says, "Joke, why is water heavier than butane?" Because butane is a lighter fluid goes along with that whole methane thing. And I'm not kidding about that, by the way. See, that's what, when people bitch about cow burps, they actually think it's cow farts, but that's not true. By the time that cow is ready to excrete its fecal matter from its intestine, uh, its large intestine, there's no methane left. It's, it's, it's all done, dude. But methane does escape a cow, but through its burps. Methane really is heavier than air. And unless you've got a flare stack way, 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 like 25, 50 feet up in the air and a huge gust of wind grabs it and takes it into the upper atmosphere, it's not getting there. Methane is not going there. It can because like, you know, 50 foot high flare stacks that are leaking methane. Yes, methane will get into the upper atmosphere, but cows and ruminants, which include antelope and deer and I don't know, other ruminants, whatever they are, sheep, goats, all that shit. They all produce methane. It's not just beef cattle, right? Any ruminant on the face of the planet produces methane because it's a metabolic reaction that has been part of this planet since well before us hairless apes deigned it upon ourselves to climb out of the trees and start fucking shit up. All right? So the earth knows how to deal with it. The earth has an entire mechanism to deal with leaky methane from ruminant animals. It's called methanophores and they exist in the soil unless you spray it with a whole shit ton of fungicide, pesticide, herbicide, Bacteria side, nematode side. I mean, there are so many sides out there. We've literally sterilized all the soil. In that case, those methanophores are what? They're dead and they can't actually perform their function. Guys, we're screwing shit up so bad it's not even funny. You don't have to be a tree-hugging hippie freak to figure out that what I'm saying is actually true. Does that mean that I want everybody to stop using fossil fuels? Oh, hell no. You go burn that shit right to the ground. Why? Because I have one of these days, maybe I'll have enough money to enact my master plan, as Elmer Fudd would say, to have whole silvopasture farms that are modeled at, you know, that are literally replicated one after another after on section after section after section of land that literally pull carbon out of the sky and throw it into the ground where it belongs. And when it's in the ground where it belongs, it does what? Makes the soil more fertile. I can grow more pasture. I could grow more crops. I could do it with almost after if I do it right and I wait and have enough time under the belt, I won't even have to put synthetic fertilizer on it grows so well. I don't need pesticides. Why? Because the sugar content in the plants that are growing when they're growing so ridiculously healthy because the soil's healthy and everything is aligned and everything is working together has so much sugar in it that insects can't 
digest it. I've talked about this a couple of times before on this show. If you're new to this show, if the grass or the plants or the vegetable plants or whatever, if they are healthy and they've got enough sugar in them, they don't have pests because the sugar content precludes insect digestive systems from processing it, which means that the grasshopper takes one taste of it and says, can't eat it. Guess what the bugs do eat? They eat sick plants. How do plants get sick? By uh, spraying shit all over the plant that destroys the soil, and that soil can no longer host a healthy plant. Therefore, it's a vicious cycle down to the bottom of hell. Stop listening to the people that are telling you about cow burps, please, for the love of God, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.